Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gavin Buckland for the final time this season of regular season, footy, of course, as you the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And we will look back at the win over Wolves, and look ahead to the final game of the season and the big the big game, of course, the all-important game with Manchester City. Um, but let's start on Wednesday night. The fans were back, Preno, the fans were back in and the Blues were back in some sort of a groove, getting a victory uh, much needed. And, uh, you know, it was a, 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 an excellent sort of feel-good way to uh, to finish the season. It was just completely and utterly different to you know other games we've seen this season, and you can't underestimate the impact of the supporters that were in there. Um, I saw a stat yesterday, which I suppose you could argue is damning as well as you know, so sort of quite surprising, and that Everton ran four kilometres more than Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, on Wednesday, and actually I forget the actual total figure, but it was like the highest number of kilometres they'd covered in a game uh, for a long time, and that's clearly. You know the impact of supporters. You know, so either a encouraging them, or b getting on their case for for not doing enough. And you know, whilst that is a quite heartening to hear that you know the Everton supporters can have that much of an impact on the game, it also raises a little bit of a question mark about the character of the players, perhaps, in that they need that uh, to respond. But I don't want to be too harsh because it's been such a really strange season for all concerned. And you know, it's football clubs. Are like this, like you know, so living entity, aren't they? It's not just the players, it's not just the supporters, it's not just the stadium, it's all these elements all like so brought in together. You know, football clubs are like one living, breathing thing which all interact, and you've all got to basically, you know, so perform together. So, you know, hopefully, next season with supporters in there, fingers crossed, you know, so from the start, we'll see something a little bit more like the uh, you know, the home performance we'd seen prior to this season. But it was a decent way to sign off, uh, you know, so Wolves, I don't know form has tailed off quite significantly uh, in recent weeks but they were resolute they were stubborn they were set up to try and you know frustrate Everton which they did for long enough but Everton finally got the breakthrough and I think no one could argue deserved the victory mm. and obviously uh, another factor to consider when <clears throat> you're looking at sort of that we ran further than Wolves of course we didn't have as much of the ball as Wolves um, did we so that is yeah. that is also something to factor in and whether or not the fact that, as you know, early this afternoon it was confirmed that Nuno Espirito Santo will be leaving Wolves. I wonder whether the players of Wolves had that in the back of their minds. I wonder if they knew as well. Um, but add, um, you know, one one player in particular who who seemed significantly uplifted by the return of fans was, of course, the match winner Richarlison. And you know, Richarlison's a player who I would very, very reluctantly say never never tries I, I know his body language sometimes can be negative but you know he he he's the, the significant sort of upturn in his effort and output if you like on Wednesday to what we'd seen in a few re- few games um recently did make you wonder whether he is a player 
maybe perhaps more than some other players who've actually been really affected by the fact that there haven't been any supporters in, in, in football rounds this season. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, he looked he looked load sharper to me right from right from the get go, to be honest. You know, he, you know, he's he's always tended to be that type of player, I think, who chases lost causes sort of things up front. But over the last few weeks and months we haven't really seen that from him. Whereas I think in those, you know, opening stages against Wolves, he was chasing down those defenders, he was trying to press from the front. And he was setting a bit of an example for those uh, behind him as well. He had a, a fairly early opportunity, I think, as well, with a header that he headed straight at John Ruddy. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you might have seen his, his head drop a little bit and his shoulders go down a little bit after after a, a, a situation like that. But he just didn't allow that to happen this time. It, he just seemed to be even more fired up. And then, you know, I, th- I think after he got the goal, the confidence was just absolutely flowing through him again. He had this one on the near touchline to us where he just like dummied it around the defender and just went round him. And it, it's been so long since we've seen Richarlison be confident enough even to do that and, you know, take players on and carry the ball for 20, 30 yards. And that's, that's exactly what we, that's exactly what we want to see from Richarlison. And it's something, it's something that's been unfortunately missing from his game over the last few weeks. And I think that's probably why it seemed that his, you know, his effort levels had, had uh, improved because I think you know on the ball particularly I think his his effort levels did improve because he was actually he was actually taking players on he was getting a lot more successful uh, with that and you know it was it was easy to just see that you know the influence of the fans there the confidence that was flowing through him it was a uh, it was much better to see from him so fingers crossed we'll be able to see that again on the weekend and then hopefully we'll be able to see it much more next season as well. Gav, where do you stand on this sort of debate in terms of can can you allow you know can you can you sympathise with, with with the players you know having played almost an entire season without fans and is that <clears throat> any mitigation for not playing at a, a level that that many of them showed on Wednesday? Uh, yeah, said all season it's an artificial feel to the season and it's very difficult to judge actually how good or bad people are. I could have bad managers are how they performed this year because of the artificial nature. Um, you, you saw that on, you know, on Wednesday, wasn't it? With the, um, you know, six thousand spectators there, it was just a, watching a different event, wasn't it? Never mind game, which is a completely different event. And the Charleston, we, we spoke about that, and I agree um, that he um, he's one who needs crowds around him. I think he can. I, I think he showed against Sheffield United. There's, so effort dropped will probably be, you know, a uh, you know a reasonable viewpoint of his performance against Sheffield United, and I don't think when there's a crowd there you can do that. That they were lighter, and I think he is somebody who buzzes off the crowd. Um, I think he possibly is. You know, we talked about his performances, and I'm just thinking as you looked over the season, does he act as a decent weather vane for Everton's performances? If he plays well, do we play well? Um, I was thinking about he plays well at West Ham, didn't he? I thought he really put a shift in at West Ham when the team put a shift in. Put a shift in on Wednesday when the team put a shift in. When he doesn't perform or is not up for it for whatever reason, then perhaps I don't know whether that effectively we don't perform either. Um, perhaps I've just got a very small sample size of two or three games there for that uh, that theory. But um, yeah, he, 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 I think he's one who needs to crowd in and he showed on. On Wednesday, that he's still a hugely important performer for us. I was just thinking, by the way, about that stat about Columbus's run. I think most of them were after running after Adama Traore, weren't they? 
I genuinely thought so, Michael Keith's hamstring was going to explode when he went on yeah, that earth. Yeah, if a dad would say, all right, probably wasn't on the pitch, he probably ran about 30 kilometers less. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Charleston spot on, he's one definitely benefits from a, a crowd being there. There's one or two in the squad who probably benefit for the crowd not being there, as we've discussed during the season. But yeah, it was good to see fans back. Made a big difference to me on Wednesday. Preno Gav makes an interesting point about Richarlison there, and you know, and, and, and in, you know, positionally, but also sort of symbolically, is he the player that ultimately sets the, a lot of the tone for, for an Everton performance? Because you know, if, if he's up for it and he's pressing and he's in the defender's face from the word go, will it not inspire the rest of them to follow suit and set and set to tempo? I mean, I, I mean, I, you know. We know how important he is, but do we perhaps yeah. underestimate his importance, you know, off the ball and, and, and maybe how he his sort of <clears throat> attitude sort of goes throughout the team? I think it does. I mean, you need a player like that. And, you know, football teams now are very uh, subtle, you know, things. You have, uh, you know, departments and, you know, Ben Godfrey does it all the time. I mean, some of the challenges that he was throwing in, uh, you know, typically enthusiastic, typically robust, and they got the crowd inspired. Uh, but you need somebody in the top third of the pitch to be doing that as well. And I'm thinking, just as an example, you know, so across the park, I mean, uh, Jurgen Klopp always used to give great credit to Adam Lallana, who seems like a you know a strange individual to pick out. But he was always the guy that he identified as being his his pressing leader, if you like, the guy that actually led the press in the four, in the final third. And that is clearly so important to what, you know, so Jürgen Klopp well, trying to do a Pren- at the time. Pren- Pren- we know why he's been singled out, because he's, ne- he's a boyhood Evertonian. <laughs> well, that is course as well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, we, we play, you know, a different style, you know, so to this, you know, uh, Gagan pressing, which Colin Harvey invented way back in the day. But uh, let's not go down that road again. Actually, John Hamm invented it. <laughs> Colin Harvey introduced this, uh, you know, so what to a successful team for the first time. Uh, but no, it's a different style of play that we, you know, that we use. But equally, you need players like that that show that energy and that enthusiasm, which becomes infectious and rubs off on players around them. And, you know, it's got to happen. And Richarlison this season hasn't done it enough. You know, we have seen him sulking this season. We have seen him pouting and you know, going into his shell a little bit. And maybe it was the presence of a crowd that, you know, sort of inspired him. And he had a very, very good performance. And, you know, he covered an awful lot of ground in that game. And by the way, that was a proper centre-forwards header. That was a great finish. Wonderful delivery from Gilfie Sigurdsson, but an absolute classic centre-forwards header down the street and, you know, in front of a crowd. You know, all the elements were there. So, yeah, you know, I think you're right. You know, he does... You know, make things different here when he performs. Everton do perform. So, despite some of the eyebrows that have been raised about him this season, he's still very, very important. You know, sorts of things Everton may want to achieve in the future. Well, look, and we will next, next sort of next week when when things settle down, we will go through our player of the season and all that sort of thing and moments of the season. But for, for me, I, you know, thinking out loud now, the two moments of the season, Richardson has delivered them both opening goal at Anfield and then Wednesday night because of the, the picture that was created when he was celebrating with the Gladys Street. It just for me, that was, you know, and, and yeah, I think, I think understandably a lot of people have, have questioned Richarlison this season and I think, you know, the criticism to a degree has certainly been fair but for me, he's, he is the most important player in the team and, and, and continues to be. So, um, yeah. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ah, it's just another one on, on on what went on on Wednesday. Before the game, Carlo was um, in his programme notes, so it said, this is an opportunity to go into the summer with a really good memory of Goodison. Looking to next season, that can be vital. The supporters and players can come together to create an experience we can use to start building belief for next season. Can you, uh, can you promise the Royal Blue Podcast listeners that it will be better <laughs> at Goodison next season? <clears throat> Well, it's got to be, hasn't it? Like it can't get, can't get much worse. It's only been worse once, once one other time in the club's history or something like that, isn't it? You know, it's been, it's been a, it's been quite shocking <laughs> the former home. But I think what Carlo Ancelotti is saying there about the supporters being back absolutely is crucial, isn't it? He's still unbeaten as a manager at Goodison Park with fans there. You, you forget that. There you <laughs> go, ladies and gents. Stats, yeah. stats of the week. You've outstatted Gav. Not our days, not our days, to be honest with you. So don't worry about it. But yeah, like, I think that was that was something that sprung out to me at the weekend. You know, Everton still are performing when, when there are fans there. You know, it is obviously a very crucial crucial aspect of Goodison Park to have the supporters there. I don't think it should have been as detrimental to not have supporters there as it ended up being. Agreed. Of course, yeah. but you you know that that's that's by the by now, and hopefully we've got that firmly behind us. We won't have to have any any sort of games behind closed doors in the future, fingers crossed. Uh, but, you know, any sort of fans that can create, that can generate that sort of atmosphere, you know, it was still only 6,500 fans at Goodison, but it felt more, it did feel more like, you know, 20,000, something like that, you know, the, the kind of noise that they were creating, you know, when Michael Keane was putting in that tackle or, mm-hmm. you know, Richarlison was scoring his goal, you know, those... Those kind of roars from the crowd just felt like Goodison back in the good. Like I, I, I think I probably forgot what a full Goodison Park sounds like. To be honest, because like that yeah. that felt like a full Goodison Park. It did. It did. It so really it, did. Yeah. It, it's gonna it's gonna feel absolutely bizarre when you know fingers crossed. As I say again, next season we'll be able to have a full Goodison Park back. And I think you know Carlo Ancelotti is quite right in what he's saying. You know, as as soon as Everton can build up that home form again, I think it's just about you know not losing. Obviously, Everton were at you know a significant advantage, not uh, away from home, not having to play in front of uh, away fans. Hopefully, they can keep some semblance of that away form. You know, it was starting to improve under Carlo Ancelotti even before, mm. even before these games behind closed doors. So, hopefully, that trend can continue as well. And you know, it's all about striking the right balance between home and away. I think that's the main thing that Everton have been missing throughout this season, isn't it? So. Yeah, I think Carlo Ancelotti is absolutely right. And yeah, I don't, I don't think it can possibly get any worse than it did this season, next season. Gav, so just, just think, just carrying that theme on, based on the on the <laughs> assumption, rather dangerous assumption, that our home yeah. form will improve next season with supporters and, and Goodison will become more of how we yeah. know it and, and, a, and a difficult place for oppositions to play. And so that we will pick up more points at home, significantly more points, hopefully. Have the performances and the the extent of the away form, because it hasn't just been a flash in the pan. We haven't just gone to Anfield and won and not done very well, well everywhere else. Yeah. We've beaten Leicester, we've beaten Spurs, we've got a good point at United. We've won 11 games away from home. Does that give you confidence that actually, as much as those home teams that we faced when we went on the road 
could legitimately say there's some mitigation that they didn't have supporters. Because in fact, the fact that we've done it so well throughout the season give you confidence that we've got the basis of a team that can play away from home, regardless of fans or not. And actually, you combine that with what we hope is improving home form and you put the two things together and you've got, you know, something better than this season, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's there's two two things there, Phil. Away from home is, I don't... If you win 11 away games next season, I'll be surprised. Very yeah. surprised. I do think, you know, there's been more away wins than home wins at the Premier League this season. But we're not, you know, and, and we've had some good away wins. But I don't think... If we have done our, you know, you can remind me of this conversation this time next year. Uh, but we've still got enough in our locker to get a a a number. The way we set up away from home to to to, to get more away points than what we would normally get. I think that's the first thing. But I don't think our home form is just down to there are no crowds there. Therefore, we have been artificial. I know I've said that. Um, you know that, that, that it's an artificial thing. Um, I think that contributes towards it. I think our away our home form has also been the fact that we just set up wrong, haven't we? We haven't got the yes. place to, to really hit people at home and, and press and dominate games and pass the ball for, you know, 60, 70% possession, um, which brings I us thought, to some I thought, pose- targets. I, I, thought, I thought possession stats only went to about 43%. I, I've never seen us get anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right for us. Yeah, we have like a... We have like a rule, don't we, at the 43% mark. You can't get any further than that. But you know, we need to be more expansive at home. That's been just as much a, a key contribution. And that will be hopefully rectified in the summer. Um, so I don't think it's a case of, oh, well, you know, this season, carry on like we were next year. But if you fans there, a bit of passion, we'll, we'll turn around. No, we won't. We need to be far more expansive and dominating at home. Um, which hopefully, as I say, with three or four players of the right type. Carlo indicated today, didn't he? type of player he's looking for um, and uh, I think you know that, that that will help and once you have them to hopefully we'll win we'll, and Sandra, what I'm effectively saying is we'll, we'll win more away games next season than this year by a bigger margin that will win fewer away matches you know we'll win more home matches more home matches next year by a bigger gap than what we drop in away matches which will give us more wins Work that yeah. one out. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you know what I'm saying there. It's, it's a combination of two or three things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we need to work hard. Work hard at home. And it will be, uh, be interesting to see. Crowd made the mask. You know what I thought? Just to go off on one tangent. The big difference with the crowd being there on, on Wednesday when we scored. Like, you got a buzz. The players obviously got a buzz afterwards, didn't they? The energy levels went up and confidence levels went up immediately and Wolves went down. Where You've not seen that with no crowd. You've not seen that mm. effect visibly. And that visibly changed on Wednesday for me. Mm. Uh, and that, that's something that hopefully, you know, even more so went with, with bigger crowds. And that, 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 that really was the big difference for me in terms of having a the crowd there on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um it's quite remarkable to think that Everton signed a almost once in a generational talent this summer, a global superstar who, when fit, had lit up the team, been you know shown some amazing performances, and no Evertonian has seen him in the flesh. <laughs> James Rodriguez missing on Wednesday, missing again on Sunday. Um, 
it is quite staggering, really, that you know he's halfway through his contract and and the fans have yet to see him play in the flesh. Yeah, I actually felt for uh, some of the supporters that I saw on social media early on Wednesday that were very excited about the possibility or the prospect of actually seeing you know James Rodriguez in the flesh, and I think he would have relished and you know sort of loved the experience as well. Um, just you know the knowledge that you know he is so appreciated and so you know uh, admired, and I know there are some cynics out there that think that no, he's, he's, he hasn't got the club at heart. He's only going through the motions. I, I don't you know follow that train of thinking to be honest. And Carlo Ancelotti clearly doesn't see that he was quite robust in his press comments at lunchtime, where it was suggested that you know Hamas was putting his country before his club. You know preserving his fitness for the Copa America rather than you know so playing for his club. That's not the case. I mean, I think he's as frustrated as we are frustrated in the uh, the limitations put on his appearances this season. But look at the positives. Look at the number of goals he's scored, big goals, quality goals, and look at the difference he's made. You know, in matches when he has played uh, the equaliser at Old Trafford, the, probably the best moment of our season. You know, creating the opening goal at Anfield for Richarlison when he plays and when he features, he's a massive influence. And, you know, Carlo's already looking forward to next season. I mean, that worries me a little bit that he's going to an international tournament. And, you know, is he going to come back, you know, uh, with his fitness enhanced or, or damaged even more? We don't know, to be perfectly honest. But you can't hide away from the fact that he's a top quality performer. And, you know, we, we should relish the fact that we've got him at Everton Football Club rather than being down on him and being frustrated that we haven't seen more of him. Of course, it's frustrating. Of course, it's, you know, so irritating. But... I'm thinking, you know, of the past. Okay, history lesson. There we go again. But you know, there have been players in the past that have been <laughs> on, uh, with questionable injury records that have become absolute, you know, superstars. I'm thinking of Peter Reid. I'm thinking of Andy Gray. Uh, you know, still Duncan Ferguson when he came back second time. You know, was uh, hardly featured for Newcastle and still managed to produce enough cameos to become like an, an Everton legend. You know, in his second spell. So it can happen. You just have faith, really. I mean. What's the old you know saying about uh, form is temporary, class is permanent? He's a class act, and you know if we can get him playing a little bit more regularly next season, happy days. Yes, we're frustrated, but come on, let, let's not criticise the lad for you know sort of being injured. You know that can happen to anybody. Uh, joining us on the line, the Royal Blue Podcast, Richard Keys. Welcome, Richard. <laughs> 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 just, just yeah. in the interest of balance, just want to get Richard's views on uh, Hammers- <laughs> no. Um- <laughs> the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Obviously... It is frustrating. I think. I think Sunday will be. I think it will be the thirteenth. Think if, if stats are correct, thirteenth Premier League game that Hammers has missed with injury. Um, mm. Carlo recently spoke about the, the club have got a plan. They're going to give him a big vacation, as he puts it, and they've got a plan to ensure that he stays fitter for longer next season. Uh, are you confident that, that that can happen? And and where do you stand on on the Hammers kind of debate? Because obviously, understandably, when, when the news broke on Wednesday after, Wednesday evening that he was missing because he was tired in inverted commas, that doesn't sit well with any supporter, does it? No, and I, I could understand the frustration of supporters. To be honest, I think especially the fact that he wasn't there for the lap of appreciation at the end. Like he could have surely turned off for Goodison for that, couldn't he? You know, just to have 
you know, show show the fans a little bit of appreciation. You know, those fans who've waited all season essentially to to see him in the flesh. You know, I think I think a lot of them would have been placated by the fact that you know if they did, if they didn't get to see him play, at least they could have seen him. You know, walk around the pitch and be able to give him a round of applause or something like that. So, you know, I did I did understand a lot of those supporters' frustrations in the in that sort of sense. Uh, and in terms of giving him a rest uh, ahead of next season, it it really depends on the Copa America, doesn't it? It depends on how much how much football he's going to play there, how far Colombia are going to go in the Copa America. Even it's it, it it's a really it's a really strange one, isn't it? Because you know, obviously, a, a few weeks ago we were talking about given James Rodriguez a bit of an extended rest so that he could be fit for these last few games of the season. And, you know, we, we've seen now how much that was, you know, completely pointless, really. It, it just didn't, didn't didn't work at all because that calf injury is, um, you know, as Carlo Ancelotti's confirmed today, that calf injury is still, still playing away at him. So, you know, you just you just wonder, you know, I'm, I'm not sure when the Copper America starts. Is it like June 13th or 16th? Yeah, middle of, middle of next month, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, even even if he does get rested up until that point, well, he's going to be in training up and up until those games as well, isn't he? You know, is he going to have be able to have enough rest? Because Colombia, let's be honest, they they're still going to rely heavily on James Rodriguez, aren't they? If they want to, if if they want to go far in that tournament, essentially they need James Rodriguez to be playing almost every minute and playing really well for them. Mm. So they're going to do everything that they can to try and get him on the pitch as much as possible, which is the. I would say the exact opposite of what Everton really needs him to be doing this summer. You know, we do kind of just need him to have a, have as much rest as possible. So, yeah, it's going to be a really weird sort of balancing act, I think. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, when he comes back from the Copper America, whenever that might be. And, you know, Everton are going to be in their, in their pre-season matches. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how much game time he gets in those games because it, it could just be the case that after playing playing all summer in a, in an international tournament, he's going to need a rest again. So he might not he might not actually get minutes until like the first games of the Premier League season, and we kind of find ourselves in a similar boat as we were at the start of last season. So yeah, it's a, it it is a it is a really weird and frustrating situation. So I can understand uh, the way the fans are feeling. So it, it it's it's just going to be really interesting to see to see what happens in the Copper America because I just I just don't see how at the minute how it's going to particularly work out well for Everton to be honest well hopefully and sorry to any Colombians listening Colombia bomb and he comes <laughs> home and he's back in form by, uh, by July <laughs> um, Gav I mean very di- very, very, di- very difficult very difficult question yeah. but yeah just Look, we, when he's in the team and he's fit, he can be sensational, and and of course he he has to play. Yeah. But given the injury record, given what he will go through in the summer, given that he's going to need a rest, given as Adam quite rightly suggests, he may not turn up or may not be told to turn back up at Finch Farm until the week of the season. How t- does Carlo Ancelotti plan for next season, or certainly the early part of next season, for him to be in that eleven, or does he just plan for him to be? Available and in a squad and, and available for selection. Or does that selection, depend on recruitment? Yeah. yeah. Does that depend on recruitment? Yeah, there are wages of whatever that is a week just to sit on the bench when fit. It's an incestive one. I mean, I, I think I'll answer your question in a minute, Phil. I think the other question to Bahamas is isn't it an option for a third year with him? Yes. It's an incestive, that's an incestive question in itself, isn't it? Mm. Um, because if you're born for next year, if you don't 
you run the risk then of losing them on a free at the end of two years. Well, I know I know Real Madrid have got some. Real Madrid, if you ever sold Hammers for a fee, haven't Real Madrid take a cut of the fee though as well? I'm um, sure they do, yeah. Yeah, I think I think if I remember seeing that. So there's an incessant debate around not just next year, but the year after, isn't it? Um, and would Hammers won three years ago? Doesn't not so sure. Uh, so there's there's that to do, that comes into it for me. Going back to your question though, it was incessant. Carlo's um, press conference today. He said he was he was. <laughs> I thought wingers with this CV. Well, it was a winger who scores lots of goals, who tracks back and depends and stuff. And so there's yeah, not many of them around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, he said there was a few, didn't it? But, you know, and my immediate thought then is, well, if we get, if we, get, if we are lucky enough, to, and I really hope, because that's what we need, somebody like that, where do you then play Hammers? Assuming Calvert-Lewin, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are still here, which hopefully they are. Both vital players for us. Well, I'll tell you where you play Hammers, Gav. I know you play Hammers at home against teams who we've lost to this season. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not the worst idea going that, to be honest with you, to bring a bit of that ingenuity and stuff that we've been missing at home. Um, But it's an interesting question because that was my immediate thought. Well, hang on a minute. Where where does that leave Hammers then next season if that's what we are? That sounds. Sounded like a priority uh, transfer for us. Regarding Hammers, generally, I, I can only echo what's being said. You know, when he plays is the is the is the thing. When he plays, though, he's played in twenty five games or twenty six. I think his minutes only work out. He's only work out if ninety minute equivalents only half the games. He's only been on the pitch half this season, hasn't he? I think when you average the minutes out per game, and also as well. You know how how often he's been truly fit in that. Then we talk about his assists. I, th- I might be wrong here, but is it only assist and open play the one at Anfield? I think. In, in, I think he's been very good from set pieces, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's been, but his only assist from open play. I, I may be wrong. It was it was at Anfield. It's been a couple. So those stats look okay. Well, actually, needs a little bit more from you. You know, and and this business ends of the season. He's been missing. We were all banking on him being fifth the last 10 games, weren't we? And he's been absent, you know, for some massive games for us. So you're looking at Danny saying, well, I'm trying to give a balance view here. And and this goes back to what Adam was talking about, supporters. You can understand throwing that all into the mix. Why there's been a lot of frustration with supporters this week. I totally agree with that. I mean, not helped by Carlo. I mean... I don't know whether fatigue was the right phrase to use in the circumstances. I know what Carlo was saying, but fatigue is not necessarily the word you would use, uh, you know, um, perhaps to try and, you know, placate fans. Um, but for me, that Rodriguez position is a little bit more than just, yeah, he's a, yeah we know he's a top-class player and he's World Cup golden booer. It's a little bit more complex than that. You would like to see him on a pitch. We've got to, we've got to see the, the, the overall picture. And that to me is a bit more greyer than perhaps yeah. just saying, yeah, he's a top class player, keep him. Um, mm. And it'd be interesting to see what happens in the summer and what messages we we give out with our recruitment, what his future is at Goodison. Mm. I think uh, just in terms of balance, as always on the pod, and, and, and maybe a little bit of <clears throat> uh, perspective with Hammers. So, 24 starts in all comps this season, and he's, and he's played over 2,000 minutes. The previous season, he only made six starts. 
728 minutes of football. So you can see the jump. So he has played significantly more football this season than he did last. The previous season, he played fewer minutes than he has this. Um, and you only you have to go back to 17-18 for him to play have played uh, only slightly more. And you really you're going back to his sort of to that peak period of 14, 15, 15, 15 16, yeah, yeah. 16, 17, where he was he was injury free. So I think I think if you try to sort of look on a, on a on a positive and hopeful note, you'll say, well, he's come he's come almost come from cold from last season at Madrid and played twenty yeah. played twenty six times for us this season. So you know there, there is there is yeah. hope that he can go and play 35, 40 games next season. Yeah, yeah, and I think Adam said earlier on this week, is this is most minutes since fourteen, fifteen? Is it most minutes in this season for six years? Yeah, and I get all that. And we knew all this when, yeah, yeah, we 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 knew that when we bought him. You know, we knew that when we bought him, but at the same time, at the business end of the season, I think we'd set everything up for him to be on the pitch, and he hasn't been on the pitch, and and I, and I still will question whether his overall performances. On the pitch, okay. There's been quality stuff that no other Everton players probably capable of reducing. Looked at overall, in terms of affecting the season, is it as great as what people think? Um, you know, but ideally, fit and fire and Rodriguez is one in your team, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, be, be one of the fair. He'd be the fit, fit, fit and fire and Rodriguez would be the first name in the team, she wouldn't he? By country mile. Problem is, is when he is fit. Going back to what I started that, you know. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pronouncer Hammers will not be on the team sheet on Sunday at the Etihad. Um, can we still, nevertheless, go to City and get a win, a point? We'll talk about the permutations. Can can we still go and get what we need uh, without Hammers? Um, I'm not so sure Hammers <clears throat> would be an ideal person to be in a starting lineup for a game like that. If we are going to get a result, I think the only way we're going to do it is the same, you know, way like the, a photo fit of the performances that we put in to some of our other, you know, more impressive away, you know, dis- displays this season, which is basically accepting that we're going to have very little in the way of uh, possession, which you never do at Manchester City anyway. Um, defending resolutely, defending deep, and uh, using set pieces and using, you know, sort of counter attacks as effectively as we can. But City are exceptional. They are such a good side. They're such a great squad. Um, and the suggestion is that, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola is going to play something quite close to his Champions League starting eleven to sharpen them up, you know, for the, uh, you know, so, you know, because it's a full week then before they play the Champions League final. So plenty of time to recover. So it's going to be tough. You know, I, I'm not going to say never, um, but it's not a game that you can look to with any kind of confidence. But, you know, strange things can happen in football matches, as we saw the other night against Brighton, you know, who were a goal down in a couple of minutes against Manchester City and absolutely, you know, ready for an absolute spanking. 
and then you know player gets sent off and suddenly you know it's a completely different game and let's face it var and referees generally have been utterly abysmal for the last month or so appalling uh, you know, madly on Wednesday night was was dodgy at Everton, but you know, fortunately didn't do anything that actually cost us the game. But some of the decisions elsewhere were just absolutely wretched. So you never know; maybe something might happen on Sunday where you know a decision goes in our favour and it can just turn it on its head. Uh, a point probably won't be enough. I was looking at the permutations and thinking, well, okay, Spurs will probably lose against Leicester uh, the way both teams are performing, and a point would be enough then. I think, well, actually, no, it won't because Leeds and Arsenal can catch us and they've both got very winnable games as well. So we probably do need to go and win. And let's face it, you know, you know, as realistic and as you know, optimistic and as upbeat as we can be, I don't think any of us, when we're doing our predictions later, is going to predict a win. But maybe you'll prove me wrong. We'll see. Admit, <laughs> um, you know, Perno makes a good point about Spurs, you know, the, the whole Harry Kane saga, and they seem to be, you know, hopefully you know, coming off the rails at just the right time for us. Um, will we get favours elsewhere? Of course, look, the permutations include sixth is not off the table, but would require a huge goal, different swing, West Ham to lose, Spurs to drop points. Seventh is doable, but of course we are reliant on Arsenal, Leeds, etc. not uh, scuppering those hopes. How, how do you see it ultimately playing out as what? Half six, quarter past six on the Sunday evening? But the, the way this season's going, I just I just can't see a situation in which Everton qualify for Europe. To be honest, because at, at every point this season that we've needed to win, or you know we've needed other teams to help us out or whatever, it just doesn't seem to go doesn't seem to go in our favour. Uh, you know, you look at even like the last away game against Aston Villa. You know, that was such a such a major opportunity that was missed, wasn't it? So you know, it's it's, it's stuff like that that I think. Just, just play back in my head, and you know the fact that Everton have got to go to Man City, and as we've as we've said, have effectively got to to beat the champions, who are more than likely going to play their best team, even if they didn't play their best team. You know the players that they've got in reserve are absolutely ridiculous as well. So you know it, it'd be hard for Everton to even to even get a win in that situation. It's been it's been a good long while since we've got a win against Man City as well, isn't it? You know, we, we did have a good record against them for a little a little time, but it's been how many how many years now? It must be like seven, Gav, years. Gav is the last win at the Etihad, 2010. 2010, Kale and, uh, Kale and Baines won it. Yeah, yeah absolutely freezing, freezing cold night, wasn't it? Just before Christmas. Wow. So, <laughs> 11 years since we last went to Man City and won, and, you know, it's going to be they, they, it's going to be their first game uh, in front of their fans, isn't it? For a for a good long while, it's going to be a party atmosphere uh, at the Etihad. They're going to be lifting the trophy at the end of the at the end of the game. It's going to be Sergio Aguero's like final farewell. Apparently, he's going to have a late fitness test tomorrow. But... I was going to say he sounds half fit, so he should start him. <laughs> he, he, even even if he did, he's probably still going to score at trick, isn't he? Just mm. the just the way these narratives kind of go. So yeah, I, I just think there's. There's a lot. There's a lot riding against Everton uh, this weekend, and but the the biggest thing is that Everton do have to go to Man City and win. And I think that's, you know, as good as Everton's away form has been this season, I just think that's going to be a bit of a step too far, to be honest. But Gav, it's been a season of first win at Anfield in ever, however long, wins yeah. at Spurs for the first time in a long time. Why not add City to the list? 
yeah, strange things that happened. That, as you say, sadly, it's out of our control to a degree, isn't it? Um, both in terms of seventh and where we end up if we get beat. I mean, Leeds and Arsenal are uh, playing well at the moment, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're argued after, after Manchester City and possibly Liverpool. Leeds are probably the best team in the country at the moment, aren't they? Um, you know, in terms of the way they're playing. So, in mind, there's a couple of things about Sunday. Uh, first of all, Preno. Man City away the final day. I know carry some mixed memories for you, doesn't it? Obviously, personally speaking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no, I just so want Robert's Robert's talking about that. It's, it's tomorrow is a very significant day yeah, for Evertonians. It would have been Howard Kendall's 75th birthday. Um, and obviously he's a managed managed both Everton and Manchester City. And yeah, the occasion you're talking about was a, an incredible day. Um I think it's the only time in Premier League history uh, where four goalkeepers have been used. Uh, both teams made substitutions at half-time. Neville yeah. Southall, very, very angry to get taken off uh, and brought on. Was it Paul Gerrard or Jason Keane? I can't remember who came on for him. Uh, Martin Margotson and Andy Dibble from Manchester City. Well, Howard uh, was on the dugout when uh, the Manchester City supporters, who were very angry, where they were throwing eggs at Peter Swales, who was uh, the uh, the very unpopular city chairman at the time, and Howard took one on the back of his suit <laughs> that day. But the positivity is that we won the game five two. That's not going to happen yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sorry, that wasn't even the game I was talking about, by the way. But no, that was that was the first. Ga- no, no, that was the first game well, ever to beat five one. Oh no! That's yeah, yeah, that, that, that memory. Just, just to go off on a tangent, apologies for being aboard. That that City game, that was 93. That was the first game ever in the history of the football to feature four goalkeepers, two on each side. You've just ever. said that. In the history of the game, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> said yeah, Premier yeah. League history. I'm just, I'm expanding. Oh, yeah. right, okay. No, no, no. I'm expanding. It was the first, never mind, Premier League history. It was the first game anywhere. But mm. the other game, sorry, that was the 5-1 in 2004. Which yeah. is the last day, which I you know you got you got you got yourself into a little bit of bother. Yeah. Yeah, my my comment piece was, shall we say, robust and the other players didn't respond well to it. And uh, as a result, we were banned for a long time from talking to them. But it was, it was, I mean, that, that's a more likelihood of a result. Got beat 5 1 that day. <laughs> that's yeah, probably yeah. more likely than us going there and winning 5 2 this weekend. Did some players have yeah, the flip flops on Preno? That was exactly the phrase. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thought it might have been that one. But I mean, going going back to going back to Sunday though, it's a, it's a completely different game Sunday compared to the one in two thousand and four, isn't it? When you see City's City's firepower, um, but yeah, it's been a strange season, a twist and turns, hasn't hasn't it? Uh, City still got the Champions League the week after, um, and we're we're in the game, aren't we? We're in the game. You don't, you don't, you just don't know what's going to happen. I and mean, we have shown ourselves, and Carlo using all his experience of being able to shut up shop against some of the better teams in the Premier League at home. I know City will give you different challenges. So, uh, hey, results is not beyond us. But the problem is, is a draw. Even with the draw, I think Arsenal can still overtake us, can't they? Um, and if the Spurs get something, we can get a, we can get a draw at City, and still drop down the. Down the table, which I think would be yeah. quite uh, quite sad. So it's really a win, which you just don't know, do you? You don't, you just don't know what. Um, but I, I th- what I would what I would say is, though, finally on this one, you said all season. Would you have taken at the start of the season, going into the final game of the campaign, at least fighting for something to get into Europe? I think you probably yeah. would, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But absolutely. But all the problems we've had, and 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 quite on the Shellac, and we got quite rightly after the Sheffield United debacle. All things considered, we probably would have taken this this time last year, especially at the end the way we ended the previous campaign. So, you know, we're still we're still in with the shelf, and we probably would have wanted to be in this position anyways. As 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 a realistic uh, assessment of where we are as a as a club, indeed. Okay, then very quickly we will do customary predictions time for the final time this season. Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. Uh, Manchester City versus Everton Sunday at the Etihad, four o'clock, not four thirty as many of us thought previously. This, the kickoff time has changed. In case anybody wonders, it's four <laughs> o'clock on Sunday. It was initially down as four thirty. It's four o'clock. Prediction, Ad. <sighs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to finish off the season predicting a defeat. I can't. I can't. I just can't see any any way around it. Like I think we'll we'll valiantly we'll valiantly fight for a lot of the game and be defensive as possible. But I think we're gonna get beat three one. We'll score. But yeah, I've I've not got much hope of getting a result. If I'm honest. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Gav, you next, please. Uh, well, first of all, I know we're wearing our new away kit, aren't we? On uh, on Sunday. Uh, thus missing another opportunity to play my favourite door blue. Um, so that that's been noted already. Kit manufacturers. <laughs> uh, it's most upsetting most upsetting to me that personally. So we're off on a downer already when it comes to the score. Uh I can't see us winning, but I'm I'm gonna go for a really hard when we first went to City, but was it Guardiola's first year when Nom scored one all, wasn't it? We thought we think he saved two was it uh saved two penalties. saved two penalties. I mean, as expe- I remember we were talking before the game, Phil, we were expecting the Shellican in that game with all their, you know, with all their, um, you know, great forwards and stuff. And we, we come away with a one-all draw. So I'm hiding behind the couch and saying one-all draw. Whether that's enough to get into yeah. Europe is elsewhere. But I'm, I'm going with the one-all draw. Uh, I suspect that might be highly ambitious. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, go with that because who knows? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, Prenner, who does know? What's, uh, what's your prediction? Just looking at Man City's home record uh, while you've been talking there. And over the last couple of months, they've lost their home to Leeds 2-1. They've lost their home to Chelsea 2-1. Uh, they've narrowly beaten Tottenham 1-0. You know, so the, the, there is precedent there for teams to go and shock them. But, you know, let's be realistic about this. City are exceptional. And, uh, yeah, I can see, you know, a really solid, bold, robust, resilient performance from Everton, but we're still nowhere near good enough to get a result there. Uh, that new strip you're talking about, um, when Everson, you know, history lesson time again, when Everson first wore that kit as the Black Watch back in 1881, it sparked uh, a real lucky streak for them. They won their first five games wearing that kit. Again, again, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm, I'm going to go for you know sort of a hard-working but ultimately disappointing 2-0 defeat, uh, similar to the Chelsea game earlier this season, where they're just there are levels and Manchester City is on a different level to us. No matter how robust and how resilient we're going to be, I, I can't see us getting anything to be honest. I mean, the big frustration is Sheffield United. If we'd have won that game as we should have done, yeah. things would have been different on the final day, but we didn't. That's what let us down. Not whatever happens on Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely. I blindly refuse yeah. to finish the pod for the season on a negative <laughs> note. We will get a point. We will get a point. Leicester will turn over Spurs and Arsenal and Leeds will not do enough to overtake us. We will finish seventh and we'll be on the plane to the Conference League. <laughs> Let's go to Azerbaijan. 
was going to say, uh, isn't isn't that a mixed blessing for you two guys uh, going to, with all due respect, places that I've never heard of or even, you know, just well, weird, weird, weird on the map, that. you know. We're culture vultures. Yeah. Wants to go to Madrid or anything yeah. like that. Every time. Yeah. Albania. Yeah, everybody's done the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's done the stadium tour at the Bernabeu. We, we don't need to go there back, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the podcast before them games as well. When you're expecting, you know, the usual insights about the opposition and their strengths and weaknesses and stuff, um, that, well, that will be fun. But we might have to recruit some new staff for that then. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be giving that a swear. But you know, but now, now I think, yeah, oh, I'm just thinking that the, 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 I reckon we'll win because three years that we won on this, I'm just, this is like slightly left field. I reckon we went on Sunday because the three years we've won 12 away games we've ended up playing in a game where the team won 12 away games we've ended up playing in a game where the, where the team has won lifted the title 69-70 we won the title lifted the lifted it 84-85 we got 12 wins lifted the title went on went on uh, went on Sunday and City can lift, lift the title these things happen in threes so there you go that's my theory straw clutching <laughs> Yeah, excellent. <laughs> right, we will leave it there, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. Of course, we'll be back next week and we'll be carrying on with pods throughout the summer, of course. Hopefully, an interesting and eventful summer with plenty of signings and no injuries in the Copper America. And thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.